Welcome everybody to the 23rd episode of Material Analysis. I am your host Bela and uh, today we will well we're actually recording in the midst of a global pandemic. I am joined by Chandu, by Shuli um and Dilip and we are hopefully going to discuss um something about the social effects of coronavirus and uh, what the world is undergoing right now. Uh, as a disclaimer, let me just start off by saying that um, the information, well, we're operating in the midst of a pandemic, so information is coming in from multiple, you know, sources. Um, we are all trying to read up widely as we can, but information is also changing at a rapid pace. So um, I just want to make sure our listeners today are aware that uh, we might not get everything 100% accurately right. Um, we are sort of referring to a number of sources so please don't depend on us for uh 100% facts and logic today uh logic maybe not the facts um but be aware that um if we if you're if you're operating on something we've said you probably need to check up through other sources as well so this is just a little disclaimer to tell you we're doing the best we can but we might not be right all the time um so i thought we'll start off with with chandu um who particularly wanted to talk a little bit about china because china is sort of the uh what's it called ground zero for what's going on right now um and it's in it's being both pilloried by one set of people for you know constantly having to uh, navigate viruses and other epidemics starting from um their cities and on the other hand you have the china stands who who believe that china's government is doing everything right and is doing nothing wrong and um I feel like that information is flowing both ways right now. So I thought we would start uh, talking about China. Chandu, do you want to go first? Uh yeah, sure. Uh so first of all, I think it's very important that uh you know, we apply the same amount of rigor as we would to any other country uh when dealing with such a complex issue as we would to ours or anyone any country we are familiar with because i keep hearing china did this china did that china 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 it's almost as if china is this one unified monolith entity we would never think the same way about india by the way like we would always say oh the in blasted this has happened in blasted that politician said that thing and in uh, you know the central government is doing this and the state government is doing that hearing the talk about china it almost feels as if there is this unsaid agreement among a lot of observers of this pandemic that you know there is china which is its people its medical fraternity with its state its local governments all of it together and how it deals with is something we have to observe i find it very vaguely orientalist and racist actually and not very mm-hmm. useful for from a um, uh, you know from a rigorous point of view i would also like to say that this needs to be digress because that was the place where this started and hence we need to have a better discussion on it now from what i understand um, there were multiple sets of reactions um, in china when this happened and the initial set was extremely uh, wrong like in wuhan there was uh, there were attempts at hiding uh, and fudging stats etc but then we see an by the the uh, the government authorities yes uh, mm-hmm. uh, of course like right who else mm-hmm. would be doing the quarantining but as we see the death toll rising we see an incredible and very obvious improvement in how china has been handling it and uh, in in the other provinces the uh, uh, the mortality is not that much and the contagion has been sort of halted and and at this point you have a lot of outside observers including like you know neoliberal observers who would say that at this point china is doing a good job so uh, what do you think uh, comrade dilip uh, about like the evolution of china's responses as the contagion spread right so um first of all we have to uh, emphasize as you clearly pointed out that initially there was suppression of dissent in china and one of the important facts that we have to take into account is that when it comes to other countries they had a clarity that it is indeed covid-19 or the coronavirus that is uh, that is uh, the danger that awaits them but in case of china they had to have this time where they had to actually detect it as well and to formulate this is indeed 
COVID-19. And you have to make a clear distinction that uh, in in four days after they have actually found that it is in uh, COVID-19, in Wuhan, they clearly completely shut the thing, things down. And they have, in fact, after that, escalated their response dramatically. And when you see the escalation of response, there is there are huge positives to it, which is clearly uh, evident by the numbers that we are seeing now, because you have to clearly understand that even though the tens of thousands of cases that have been reported are primarily in Wuhan, they clearly managed to actually curtail such uh, kind of exponential growth in the rest of China. So the, the mortality rates are clearly different from that of Wuhan and the rest of China. In the rest of China, we have the curve flattening as soon as possible because of drastic measures. So there are three, three kinds of drastic measures we are talking about. First, in terms of testing, the testing has been dramatically escalated due to the availability of kits and so on and so forth, and then uh, the quarantine. They have actually found aggressively uh, the contact points. That is, like if you are indeed infected, then you have to find out who you have been uh, contacting with in the past few days, and you have to uh, kind of isolate them or quarantine them, that, that, them as well, uh, which involves, you know, kind of using uh, uh, maniacal surveillance technologies, which, uh, which can be clearly... Uh, said as uh, unethical and so on and so forth. Even in the way they have quarantined, we have to clearly see that uh, there has been a great deal of positive effects of the way they have quarantined. But mm -hmm. it also has to be noted that uh, uh, they have violently quarantined a lot of the citizens as well, in which you can see there are people, for instance, in one case, uh, a man had a cerebral palsy son of 16 year old, and he, the man was uh, snatched and uh, quarantined. He had no possibility to connect with the sun, and the sun actually, for the next six days, starved to death. So you have these sort of uh, consequences when you have the authoritarian quarantine, where at the same time, the social distancing, uh, distancing measures have clearly worked, because you, you can see the uh, numbers for yourself, where uh, the curve plateaued very fastly from Wuhan. And you have to also see that they managed to construct two new facilities, two new exclusive facilities uh, for this thing uh, in within a span of 14 days. And they mm -hmm. created a team of, uh, you know, 1,800 uh, teams, uh, five people each in this team to aggressively do the contact tracing job. So you, you, mm -hmm. you have a, so, sort of, a, you know, a complex way that China actually dealt with it. Initially suppression and then dramatic escalation of reaction. And then you have a sort of, uh, you know, uh, the the uh, the violent side to it in in terms of quarantine as well, and you had um, also the uh, the flattening of the curve when it comes to the rest of uh, China. But the the thing that I want to talk about with you guys is that few other countries, for instance, uh, Singapore, uh, Thailand, and uh, other countries. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, South South Korea is a complex case, but uh, Taiwan, for instance, they have also kind of achieved the same level, or if not even better uh, statistics when it comes to, you know, uh, curbing the spread of the virus, and they have used a non-authoritarian measures as well. So I want to kind of open up the discussion about the response from other countries and what you guys think about it. Yeah. Uh, do, do you guys agree that that if China is doing this well, the, the reason for its success is not so much their ruthless authoritarianism as perhaps their recent history with epidemics and the systems are in place to deal with that and they're using what they learned from these crises, like you know the 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 the, the, the avian flu crisis for instance h1n1 um i read somewhere that those protocols are still in place in much of east asia and south asia and uh, and you can sort of effect those protocols in humane and rational ways what does authoritarian mean because I, this is a very abused word and often means very contradictory things. That's a good like, question. Yeah. Do you have to do forceful and coercive measures to contain a pandemic? Of course you do. Uh, yeah, I but, mean, what, what, but what counts as coercion here? Like yeah, being here is the state thing. I, I, is not the I, same I, degree of coercion no, no, as... I don't think yeah. it's a matter of degree. Uh, I think it's a matter of doing coercion smartly rather than dumbly. Like, doing coercion with the aim of halting the pandemic rather than doing coercion to save face or to save the honor of the party line or some such thing. So I, I, I like, you know, even like halting the free market and rationing stuff is coercion. So I don't think it's a matter of... I think, what, I think 
Julie is pointing to is that there are ways of involving people in this idea of that this is being a this is a public good. It is for all of our good, for instance, to practice social distancing right now. So getting people, informing people about yeah, why this that is- didn't happen in the East Asian countries, which were not China either. They also did coercion, although they were much more subtle about it and smart about it, and they acted mm-hmm. immediately. So mm-hmm. I think in the pandemic logic is not the same as civil rights discourse logic and okay. uh, uh, like I think it's a matter of like different kinds of coercions which have been done because really do we think that you want to like have people involved and then sort of like you do that before you do that in like you build up that kind of a civil discourse on public health in democratic times but mm-hmm. when a pandemic starts you are not going to do that then and the like rapid re- response we have seen in the east asian countries barring mm-hmm. china that's not because of you know essentially that suddenly the government and the public had some kind of uh, enlightened discourse or something no not really it was just that the do- government did the right things rather than doing the wrong things yeah, right. Robert, let's, I think I think my it. definition of like the bad kind of coercion, I know this might help, is um, the, the logic in which an individual life or individual welfare and not just abstract notions of individual freedom are considered acceptable sacrifices or losses for quote unquote the greater good. You know, when um, when individual uh, sort of health or safety becomes something that is collateral, in the interests of preserving the the supposed health and safety of the state or the nation, I think that is where I would draw the line. Yeah. yeah. So just to um, you know answer the question, there are countries, Asian countries, which have been exposed in the past to the uh, SARS 2003 uh, epidemic, and they have learned a lot of lessons and they have effectively applied. For instance, if you take Singapore uh, as of now that we are speaking, at least the past uh, two days before, they had 180 cases and zero deaths. Taiwan, 50 cases, zero deaths. Hong Kong, 131 cases, just four deaths. So like the way they actually managed to achieve it is can be like broken down into four parts, which doesn't involve extreme, let's say, uh, rigorous measures. So I would say that at some point, uh, the, the, it, it doesn't uh, make sense to call it coercion after a uh, uh, you know, after extreme community spread. We will come to that when we talk about Italy's case, which is mm-hmm. uh, complete, uh, to, to, to be very uh, mild, it's a complete fucking nightmare. So you mm-hmm. can actually break it down into four parts. So immediately when these countries had the wind that there is uh, the coronavirus that is coming out, uh, they actually imposed slowly travel bans. If not complete travel bans, they had rigorous checks. In, 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 in For instance, Thailand did in-flight checks. And our Singapore did completely thorough screening. And the amount of contact tracing methods they actually, they actually employed is, is actually stupendous because mm-hmm. uh, Singapore went a long way to trace the contacts. They used the CCTV footages. They had really detailed questionnaire. They kind of understand from their epidemiological expertise and experience that these are needed. And then they actually had mandatory quarantine procedures, especially in terms of Hong Kong, because you know they have this border with mainland China you have to, if you enter Hong Kong, they actually first tried screening in the railway stations and so so on and so forth, which, uh, you know, really exhausted the healthcare professionals. And then they said, okay, you come to come from mainland China, you are going to be put in 14 days of mandatory quarantine. That actually kind of worked. Uh, uh, actually, it, uh, gave them the time to, actually, critical time to um, understand how this virus is going to be expanding in their own country. And the third mm-hmm. is, which is very important, you have to have kind of institutional trust. The people have to have mm-hmm. some form of trust in the institutions because mm-hmm. you are going to advertise about public hygiene and it has to be really heightened awareness of hygiene because they clearly mention what kind of uh, personal hygiene methods keeps corona away. So before they even went into, because in case of Thailand, they did some sort of social distancing measures. They closed the schools down, whereas Singapore didn't close the schools down. So just to give an example, when they take over a hotel or a, or, a, or a public space for effectively quarantining people, the state compensated monetarily for those mm. uh, people as well. So these are, these are really complex and effective measures that they uh, kind of uh, took to uh, bring these things under control. Because 
at some point, you know, when the virus hasn't formed uh, enormous clusters inside your country, it makes a lot of sense to impose a travel ban. That is yeah. going to have a massive effect. But once you have significant clusters inside your country, travel ban may buy you some time, like US is dumbly doing now. It's not completely dumb. Okay, it, it, it can buy you like a couple of days of time. But you have, what, 100 cases in Washington state, then you have to extrapolate it under detected cases in Washington state. So there yeah. is a crucial difference we have to understand here, and we have to nail it again and again. Detected cases are not equivalent of true cases. You could see from the graphs in Wuhan. So the number of cases you detect will be significantly less at a given point of time than the number of cases. So these countries have taken effective measures even before imposing social distancing measures to actually combat uh, you know, corona uh, virus. But in case of Italy or in cases of uh, in EU, which is a complete shit show, which includes US as well, when you yeah. have formation of significant clusters, you're not talking about travel bans. You're not talking about simply, you know, trying to quarantine, imagining about quarantine and so on and so forth. You are going to talk about serious social distancing measure if you are any serious about flattening the curve at all. So uh, what do you guys think about uh, what has happened in Italy and what do you guys think about what has, what needs to be done in case of, you know, EU and US? Who wants to take the case of Italy? <laughs> well, I can go first. Yeah, um, so the thing in Italy which we saw was this curious case of disregarding the problem till it had become a runaway cascade effect in its hospitals. And mm-hmm. um, we were seeing almost at a national scale a country which was simply not taking this seriously. Lot of observers had started commenting on Italy. But mm-hmm. what what is really worrisome is that how could you have the virus essentially spreading inside hospitals? Like yeah. uh, what, what was the like the quality of these hospitals when this happened? And like I'm saying this as an Indian, like that yeah. was like extremely concerning. And and you know, we shouldn't be too smug because the kind of conditions you read about Italy when you are reading the commentary right now. I see Mm -hmm. a lot of parallels with India. This Mm -hmm. non-detection or not even bothering to do widespread detection, this uh, uh, not bothering to do social distancing. We see the same in India right now. It should be an example that, you know, that if it could happen there, it could happen anywhere. And not just Italy, like, uh, do you remember, like, when this started in Italy and people were talking, like, people were kind of making fun of Italy and yeah. like comparing them with other European countries where like people were still gathering publicly and all. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. France, for example. I think they so, were actually accused of overreacting to the one or two. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Two yeah. They, were, right? they were being accused yeah. of overreaction. So Yeah. Also, because I think the first patient had not actually had any contact with someone from China as far as they knew. They had no connection. So the very fact that he even had coronavirus was a bit of a mystery. Um, and yeah, so go on. So in the case of the United States, I think the problems are at two levels. Okay, number one, it's at the central bureaucratic level, where we know that the Trump administration fired their pandemic, uh, uh, you know, their pandemic consulting team in 2018 and never replaced it. Uh, We know that the Trump administration has been trying to fudge or underplay numbers in order to make Trump's electoral, um, you know, like electoral capital look good uh, and to protect the stock market. Um, So at so at that level, you have like petty corruption and a misprioritization, right, at, at, the, at the very top. But also at the psychological and cultural level in the United States, it's, it's a very weird demographic. First of all, you know that many people in the U.S. are, to put it generously, unscientific minded, right? Like they don't understand that vaccines are a real thing or um, they don't. I mean, I, I think I saw a split somewhere about the demographics of taking coronavirus seriously and older people mm. who are more vulnerable to it are the ones who seem to not be taking it seriously or think it's a hoax or something. And I mean, that's that, 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 that speaks to like a sustained and generational sort of keeping the population stupid that's done by American sort of news media and mainstream politicians. So there's that. And at the same time, there's a kind of tendency to 
uh, get hysterical and imagine doomsday scenarios, right? Like people think that, I mean, I mean the American imagination is really, really hopped up in, in some ways. Um, that's why you have all these zombie movies. So one pretty bad uh, manifestation of that, ten- that hyper imaginative tendency is uh, people panicking, people spreading misinformation, uh, people spreading just bad rumors, I don't know with what malicious intent or not about like, you know, home cures and whatnot. Um, and also America is hyper individual and just like, 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 like uh, capitalism on steroids, right? So you also have those cases of uh, people just hoarding supplies from grocery stores and price gouging mm-hmm. and selling them on Amazon. So uh, America as a society and as a political economy is just very poorly suited to all this, right? They don't at the moment have any kind of effective centralized, um, you know, like federal agency to deal with it. Um, I, I mean, at the I think lo- at the local and state level, different bodies are dealing with it in different ways. So um, different states have imposed their own like uh, regulations and advisories about quarantining. And that's fine. But as uh, Comrade Dalit just pointed out, unless there's a kind of like centralized um, and and rational government will towards controlling this, uh, it's just going to like, you know, there's, there's going to be like chaotic clustering all over the place. It's a huge country. So I'm genuinely very concerned about the US being like Italy 2.0, except worse, because exponentially larger, exponentially more people. That's right. And I also think um, the CDC has been basically... Uh, it's it's entire funding and bureaucratic structure has been whittled down to let the private sector take on a bigger role uh, in healthcare in the US and you know US healthcare is its own debate right now but um, that that partly has led to a sluggish response a very sluggish rate of testing which means obviously oh, yeah. they're trying to gather information on who is likely to have coronavirus what the statistics are going to look like in a few weeks um, just enforcing shutdowns right now does nothing if you're not also gathering information right uh, effectively. Um, yeah, and absolutely. And like, so, yeah. even even the measures they've put in place are counterintuitive, if not outright illogical. Like they're letting in Americans into the country who have been in Europe, but they aren't letting in Iranians, or they're still not removing the sanctions on Iran, which is causing like which is causing it to spread, right? Like this virus, yeah. it, it's going to have like you know like uh, seesaw effects in different parts of the world. So mm-hmm. um, on one hand, just 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 not adequate testing, as Bela points out, and on the other hand, the kind I mean, Trump has a hard on for like restricting immigration anyway, right? So there's yeah. also that like travel bans are just being applied randomly where they won't be effective and might in fact make the problem worse. Let's return to the question of Italy because I'm genuinely curious what could Italy have done better? Like, yeah, let, let me, really, yeah. It yeah. is very clear, the evidence is very clear now because the, the, let's also link it back to the question of authoritarianism because uh, at initial days, and I can say from a lot of experience what I observe as well, and there was a lot of hesitancy to take it seriously in a sense that if it is going to hit you and if you think there are cluster formations, immediately the only thing that actually makes sense, unless you are fucking Boris Johnson, is to impose social distancing measures. Mm-hmm. It, social distancing measures clearly works and it has shown to actually uh, flatten out the curve much faster than anything else, which means like having a mass ban on gatherings with like trying to close down the schools and, mm-hmm. you know, almost having only the essentials uh, intact and leaving everything else closed. Initially, there was a lot of concern within Italy that is like, oh, shouldn't we hamper the economy? Shouldn't we let the economy uh, run as it is? Why are we doing so much? Uh, you know, why are we trying to do such kind of drastic measures? Let's only do for Lombardi, so on and so forth. And then those discussions suddenly went quiet when they saw something very important, that is, uh, the kind of strain that it puts on the healthcare system. And then mm. people immediately said, okay, please do the drastic measures. I have seen the same kind of speeches coming from from far right to far left politicians in other parts of EU as well. They are mm. clearly saying that bring in more drastic social distancing measures because simply in, in reality, these people haven't seen a crisis like this. Like to see people... To, to decide who gets to live and who gets to die, depending on the number of ventilators that is available. Let me just give you a simple fact. So if coronavirus hits, it's going to be 20% of people are going to be hospitalized among the infected. Yeah. 
five percentage mm-hmm. of them would be in the ICU. Two and a half percentage of them would need a ventilator or an ECMO. If you mm-hmm. imagine like one lakh people are uh, going to be infected, that means one thousand ventilators. You know, it is very clear that Italy started to prepare in terms of a war-like scenario. They actually transformed their operation wards into uh, intermittent testing units and so on and so forth. And literally, they are publishing documents on distributive justice and harrowing accounts of, uh, you know, the uh, stuff that is coming from healthcare professionals. What they are going through is coming out because they are pulling out doctors from retirement. They are actually promoting nurses in their final year through the steps. so on and so forth you have enormous strain on the healthcare system day to day basis you are deciding who is living and who is dying because if this woman having couple of kids and she's just 45 let her live the grandmother in her 80s is going to just peacefully go away these are the decisions they are making every day and they are treating patients in their corridors which is an extreme form of crisis that is they are facing inside the eu and mind you the help is coming from china the help is coming somewhere from cuba and it is in the us that is playing a leading role and other eu countries are facing their own shit as well so italy could have done much better in in terms of social distancing and to learn from hong kong or singapore which actually completely flattened their curves out and one specific scenario is south korea i am really sorry to go uh, for a longer time but i just want to really point out a specific scenario in south korea Uh, mm-hmm. first you, you also south korea had a great deal of control in it as well that is south korea flattened its curve within 30 patients they they had uh, excellent contact tracing they had excellent sort of uh, uh, quarantining and so on and so forth they had a freakish accident man they had something what's called as a patient 31 scenario the patient 31 a lady refused to uh, quarantine refused to get tested for corona virus what she did was she went into a really a uh, crazy crowded place in Daegu uh, a city and then she went into CO got into a minor uh, traffic accident if that is not enough she went into the mass gathering in a church if that is not enough she also went into a lunch buffet and then like that 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 really you know like uh, skyrocketed the cases they, they had a serious patient 31 scenario where they had hundreds of people in the churches in, in church in infected hundreds of people in the buffet infected and then they had huge formation of cluster and so on and so forth but even with all that south korea is actually flattening the curve south korea is not actually having exponential growth as we speak you know why because they have done something very smart of course they have done quarantining of course they have done you know expansive uh, contact tracing they have mm-hmm. excellent transparency on a provincial and a municipality level mm-hmm. more than anything they have done something significant they have done more than 2 lakh tests they have yeah. expensive testing they have really you know made this so affordable so easy to reach and this is one thing that italy failed as well the testing capacities matter and how yeah. willing you are you are to test really matters as well mm-hmm. yeah dilip brings up a really interesting point that makes me think of another reason why this could be a really big ob- ob- obstacle for america which is that in america the notion of your health as well as everything is extremely individualistic right you have mm-hmm. your own plan with your insurance company and everybody wants to protect their insurance so the idea, the, the conceptions of wellness and health and risk are very like localized to yourself or at most your family right and i mm-hmm. think that's a big imaginative barrier for most americans they have to think of the corona virus in terms of a collective problem which they just are not used to thinking of right which is why i think there's so much underplaying of the of the risk of it uh, you know like it's just very low mortality rate it's not going to kill you it's just like a bad cold what does it matter the fact that they have to start thinking of themselves as disease vectors and compromising the health of an entire community is i mm-hmm. think something americans just can't don't have the bandwidth to do that i, I mean i'm seeing a kind of like you know in real time A, a, like a, a change in that particular social imagination. I hope it happens because, as the lead points out, I think that's absolutely necessary in order to contain this. Mm-hmm. By the way, this is certainly not something like uh, uh, unique to Americans. I mean, oh, certainly. I not, mean, yeah. like, like looking at India, frankly speaking, literally nobody gives a fuck. Like uh, right yeah. now in India, we are having two very bad responses to this. One is, of course, your standard. individualism decree with people like hoarding on like i recently did my grocery i couldn't find anything like literally nothing like rice mm-hmm. atta nothing was there it was all was like sold out sold out sold out right so there is that your 
basic level lizard brain response as you want to call it but also like in india we completely lack any social concept of health like there is none people sneeze openly it like that that thing doesn't exist public health as a concept does not exist in india so while america has a bad and fucked up public health scenario which has capitalism all over it india has a non existent public health scenario um, and also like, find an effective way of social distancing in india i mean i don't even know sometimes we joke about how indians don't even understand what social distance is like right? what is social distancing like uh, in dadar station they were announcing on the on the public uh, broadcast thing that please mm-hmm. don't be in a crowded area inside dadar station they were announcing <laughs> So I think a lot of this conversation, like I would really try to contextualize it for India and I really don't think the contextualization even makes sense. We like talk about India for a bit and stop like dunking on America or... Yeah, or, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I essentially read about all these scenarios so that like I can imagine what kind of nightmares we are... Uh, we might be facing uh, in terms of you know like a pandemic really hitting india so we are talking about something which is completely crazy because um you, you imagine all the scenarios that have been played out in the past we have read so many cases and how people are refusing to be quarantined how people are simply escaping from the hospitals how private mm-hmm. hospitals are not actually even taking in patients with pneumonia like why would we even have I mean, like, really makes me angry. Like, why do you have a private healthcare system that they are not even going to accept patients with pneumonia in times of crisis of a pandemic? So they actually mm-hmm. sent him back to another hospital, to another state, and the travel has happened, so on and so forth. And like, one person has uh, gone from Bangalore to Agra. We have simply no effective contact tracing at this moment, and our testing cap- capabilities really, like, we have 52 lakhs, and at best we are running what few hundreds of tests a day. South Korea mm-hmm. ran. you know like 20000 cases uh, tests a day man like mm-hmm. uh, they they have population less than that of uh, many states in uh, actually in india so we are talking about really limited testing capacities and the government is, and i'm looking at uh, our world in data website it says that india ran only three tests per million people as of march 6 2020 ियंटीनोटिंग reported rape cases like, yeah it, yeah it, it, like it, like like india see when it comes to statistics other countries do good things with their statistics bad things with their statistics we lack statistics yeah we don't have yeah. the we don't have the that's the bottom line yeah <laughs> but i'd like to po- i'd like to point out the obvious so that in india particularly because there are so many people who are like working class people who either don't have that public health education mindset or or they just have to go to work no matter what right you're right there yeah. are people wandering around everywhere just passing a cold back and forth to each other right it's just the way the economy is in india but at the same time it's not like the government hasn't done public health awareness before like look look at what happened to polio right mm-hmm. but we did that over a long period of time so maybe the timeline this was just been too sh- rapid and too short to get no, that it's, kind it's of messaging out it's not that all is wrong with india like i would say okay to be very fair like kerala handled nipah extremely well so and from all accounts then, it seems to be taking coronavirus much more seriously than any other state right now yeah but then it's almost as if kerala is a different country when it comes to most things in india i wonder so, why like, hmm. <laughs> communism <laughs> yeah but you, you know like uh, you know kerala has actually shown exemplary response i think like even people who are completely critical of uh, the government would completely agree that they have shown exemplary response because yeah. they have aggressively traced contacts so, so, so i would yeah. say that privatization of healthcare is the absolutely wrong way to deal with it okay let, let's talk about some basic takes because all our ranting till now is absolutely useless to our audience as far as the corona thing is concerned <laughs> so um 
let's talk Thank about you. basic stuff you have to like be, you have uh, to be a responsible citizen if you have traveled anywhere please report what has uh, where you have traveled to your local health authorities particularly if they're gathering data hopefully you're from a place where they if you went to europe if you went to greece like turn yourself in like seriously no i like, think the, the point is right now airports wherever you, you're going to be running into people who've been everywhere so at this point any kind of travel is suspect no in kerala also there was someone who landed and basically lied about their travel history and ended up actually triggering a wave of cases to which now i think shelja teacher has come forward to actually say that they are actually going to implement laws so if you've actually lied or misrepresented what your travel history is and whether you're sick you can actually be prosecuted which i think is honestly right now the call of the hour like yeah hey, about something yeah he one of the idiots who wrote on mint about india's uh, amazing immunity that's going to protect them that is unscientific garbage <laughs> any of our listeners are listening and thinking oh we have survived and all this other stuff we will survive no you won't you won't racist eugenics out in full force self racism is also racism you assholes wait 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 i really have an angry point to uh, make and then like you guys can continue look so the idea of this past few, like few years from the modi government has been like to start up this fucking aishman bharat scheme and the pmj and whatever like to have an yeah, insurance yeah, yeah, yeah. the, the, the whole look, like look like, we, we have now okay it never made sense then because there was clear uh, statistics pointing out that it is much better that if you actually invest those in public health infrastructure and in public health care in hiring people and into making hospitals better and so on and so forth and now when a pandemic hits it's much clearer like what are you going to do with an insurance system when private hospitals are even refusing now we have testing labs nationally approved testing labs at some point mm-hmm. of time you have to go to you know you have to either expand the national testing labs or let the private hospitals also do and then pick up the paycheck as the state has to pick up the paycheck like in so many other countries that it has done so instead of r- rather expanding you know like investing in public health infrastructure right from you know uh, protective uh, apparatus for the healthcare professionals it is going to be really important because in italy a lot of healthcare professionals were completely infected and once yeah. you don't have such sort of ppes it's going to come back and bite you so investing in those things right now at this moment i mean like you can always be prepared for a pandemic in the later stages and investing in actually creating new er wards investing in actually you know procuring ventilators or producing ventilators or whatever it takes these are really essential at this point of time and it clearly points out that you have this sort of insurance based model which will fail as it is and it will fail miserably during a pandemic that's oh, right and also also as a, as a nation you might really like start thinking that we should not have an entire ministry dedicated to the peddling of superstition and quackery which is the ayush ministry which literally peddles homeopathy and all sorts of we we are the only country on earth which has a ministry dedicated to the peddling of superstition hooray to us so uh, and, you and know i also like to stress that you know if if you are a listener who is also now very you know leaning left like us and and talking about the importance of public healthcare now is the time to propagandize everybody around you now is the time to ask them ask them why private healthcare has ever been given that that amount of priority why you believe private privatization of of necessary resources like education and healthcare is absolutely evil and immoral right um, now is the time to drive home the point that in a pandemic it is only the state that is willing to step in or That, should, that will be capable of stepping in right and and uh, standing for every citizen so if at this point you don't stand for public health care what are you even doing what what also, makes also making also making the state accountable and democratic and not funding asshole ministries like ayush yes like i will yes, keep absolutely. using the word asshole in today's podcast because the world is full of assholes like when yeah. you read articles which says that price gouging is good because they are a good market mechanism to prevent people hoarding so that you know like i'm like oh so you are basically saying that it's good for something to be disgustingly expensive so that only the rich can buy it so you are cool with the poor type because things like soap and sanitizers i mean everybody needs to be you know hygienic to actually prevent the spread of a disease oh, you oh, are yeah, not the same as the rational people wanting their private healthcare which is that you know got mine fuck you right but that's not yeah. how a pandemic works we are all only as safe as the least insured person in the economy as 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 bernie yeah. da said so like yeah. uh, 
you have to, I mean, even if you're only concerned about your own selfish interests, think about how you are not actually safe until everyone has been taken care of. I mean, unless you literally live in a bunker for the next six months, how or not do you think yeah, you're not live under a rock? I don't care. Yeah. See, yeah. one of the things which the, which the pandemic makes us realize is that Marx was fundamentally right that we do live in a society. Like, you know, <laughs> like, I don't want Marx, to go into make the, the we live in a society point, but go on. <laughs> no, no, I'm being very serious here that yes. and I'm, I'm also like, this is a joke which is floating on Twitter. It's not even my original. But uh, the point is that your safety depends on the safety of others. We are not even talking about freedom. We are just talking about safety. That if you want to live... Your life literally depends on everybody else having good health. Like, think about that. Yeah. And and also also your child's life, if your life, if if you have managed to have brats by this time and still listening to our podcast. If any of our viewers are still making like hilarious memes about how it's not going to affect any of you, might I remind you, Spanish flu 1918, the first wave was benign, the second wave killed millions. So we don't yet know what's going to happen with this disease. The Spanish flu killed more people than the first world war did while while both were happening simultaneously. Yeah, but the point is it was the second wave that killed people. The first year, everybody kind of like, you know, blew it off and didn't take it seriously so we yeah. don't yet know what's going to happen with the coronavirus and it's very it should frighten everyone that we're all kind of yeah, sort of becoming passive I, I, I was just trying to scare our audience so they think that the first world war was brutal as fuck yeah the spanish flu killed more people than that and many people have forgotten about it so, so yeah, more basic takes, I would say, you know, instead of peddling all sorts of garbage about, you know, what what uh, yantra you can use, what prayers you can use, what homemade remedies, what home will not save your life to assholes. No, no, no. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay, okay. Basic takes, wash your fucking hands, you disgusting assholes. For like, at least 20 seconds a day, we hope that all of you are uh, 20 seconds. 20 seconds per hand wash. You have to be in the bathroom washing your hands 20 seconds at a time. Also, like no check, your, check the ingredients of your hand wash while buying it. It should have soap in it. Uh, soap, <laughs> uh, soap, soap must exist. We're doing that basic today, okay. <laughs> After soap, the next best thing is a 20% alcohol thing in your sanitizer. No, it's so, 60%. Excuse me, excuse me. It's 60% minimal. Okay, it's 60%. But like alcohol, get fucking soap, you assholes. Like soap. Sita <laughs> no, wala, soap. Now is the time to take hand washing very seriously, especially if you're touching food, especially if you're in public spaces touching. Don't touch no, yourself. I don't know. Don't touch your face. Don't touch anything. Don't high-five. Yes. Or if you do, avoid touching your face and promptly hand wash. Hand wash like like your life depends on it because it literally does. Okay, let's say I just wanted to add something which is, uh, you know, I don't know if it's so important. It's something called as herd immunity that's proposed by UK. Mm-hmm. It's, it's based on a really uh, interesting fact that if you let enough uh, old people die, maybe if you close your eyes, it, it can work. So uh, it, is, it is actually a real strategy proposed by Boris Johnson that is that it is going to affect a substantial number of people anyway, right? So it's a pandemic that's going to affect a lot of people. So if enough people, uh, you know, as a herd develop immunity, there will be less, uh, you know, less probability of transmission and so on and so forth, which means um, uh, you might win this pandemic like uh, if you are well prepared in terms of organizing your NHS to face this crisis rather than uh, introducing social distancing measures to flatten the curve. That is, like, expand the curve as much as you can uh, and let's see what happens. Uh, so That's some Malthusian bullshit that got really dark. <laughs> yeah, that is, like, they, they have they have kind of announced it. They have based it on a model. There are so many threats on this model and nobody understands what the model is. Essentially, they are going to have maximum stress on their NHS and they are going to have huge influx of old people and so on and so forth. While you are at it, you are going to, of course, uh, strain your healthcare workers and so on uh, and so forth, and then wait to develop some sort of, you know, magical herd immunity. It will be immune. It will Okay, okay. Diet Hitler, straw head. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is Boris Johnson. Are we really surprised? Yeah. If not for, you know, if not for the NSS, you would be much 
safer as a Trump, uh, having Trump as your president rather than Boris Johnson right now. That, I don't want, want to speculate on this game. Like, it's just not a game I want to play. <laughs> no. Like, Black Mirror bullshit letting like, the old guy like, out. Yeah, seriously, Zab. Like, this is... Okay, okay, Modi is not that bad then. No, because no. Not I'm not playing this game. Not playing this game. <laughs> there is no... The there is the no There's no hierarchy one, of spots and one thing, one thing I'm concerned, very concerned about this like the patients escaping from the hospitals like that in Maharashtra, uh, like refusing to be quarantined, refusing to be, you know, undergoing the test and people lying and people not informing uh, the authorities. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like the Italian tourist, as they say, has gone to so many places in the past few days. Uh, and I don't know, maybe I don't want to sound harsh. I don't want to say that, you know, if you are a corona patient, you have some sort of a lot of ethical responsibility uh, to quarantine, but, but you, you are do. also from. You should yeah, be harsh. Do, what are you talking about? I'm. I mean, cool I, I mean, like, I, not in a, in a sense, in a sense that you know, the state has to some sort of really violently pin them down to get tested. I'm not saying that you, you, they shouldn't take care of your family or something, but you are from Italy. You are, you, you know, we don't have resources here. You are straining our healthcare see, system in an unimaginable see, these way. These people need to be found, and if they run, they need to be pursued with a certain degree of prejudice, is how yeah, I will yeah. put it. Yeah, see, yeah. I would, I would I also like circle that a bit and say the state should also like make sure, for instance, that that person's family is provided for, that they're not like True. economically hampered and all that. So True. it has to also come with a certain yeah, amount of basically. Yes, I, I understand. I understand. Like you, you are afraid for your family. What happens? You are in a strange country, and so on and so forth. But there is a lot of ethical responsibility on your shoulders as well. You have to self quarantine, and then like let the state do its job and. It's yeah. Yeah, it's I mean, I think at this point, a public health education that actively targets people to inform them about why they're responding with such extreme measures is important. I mean, people are bound to panic. So I think it's the, it's the duty of good public health and community health officials to step in and say, look, don't panic. This is what we're doing. This is why you need to be quarantined. This is why it is for everybody's good health, including that of your family. So you running away and trying to say that your family will take care of you is really not a solution. And that is not a way to, you know, in Anyway, prevent it from spreading. So everyone has to be a responsible citizen and do their bit. So if you, if you know, if you know, community health responses in your, you know, surrounding communities are are minimal or not as effective. I think now would be the time even for you to actually inform people. You know, instead of those useless WhatsApp messages saying good morning, good night, send this stuff, <laughs> send this to your family WhatsApp groups. Yeah, tell I, them. You know, I, I I just want to emphasize one thing really important here that I really forgot in the whole of the podcast. That is the amount of fake idiotic bullshit that we are getting in whatsapp is really dangerous right now that is like yes. it, it is it is it is a point of huge concern as much as this pandemic that is drink hot water drink with fucking you know like uh, what is what is uh okay turmeric turmeric yeah turmeric turmeric yeah Vivek uh, is putting that shit on his twitter he has like millions of followers yes yeah i mean i mean like this is crazy you, 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 and then the other thing which is really important is that if you drink hot stuff, corona dies. Like, no, it's not no. true. Like, okay, there is no evidence even at this point of time that in hot weather it will be, you know, uh, it will be infinitely delayed or some, uh, so on and yeah. so forth. I mean, like, we do not have concrete, uh, uh, you know, really absolute evidence for this uh, whatsoever. So we have to be even more careful at this point of time. Now, of course, summer is going to end at some point of time as well, even if you take it as true. But there is no evidence if you drink some sort of hot drinks, corona vanishes. So the oh. amount of fake, idiotic bullshit that is going on in WhatsApp is truly the dangerous. Only, it's, your it's not unique to India, though. There, are, I mean, in the US, people have been spreading information about, like, drink alcohol, drink bleach. Like, it's... I don't know what, like, you know, are they, are they like just troublemakers trying to like, you know, go viral or something, pardon the pun, or if, are they, are they really like preying on a kind of credulous population? I don't know, but I think that's no, always no, going no, to be this no, kind no. of information. Like, the, uh, sorry, by the way, I think I, my internet dropped off, but like, yeah, in every such thing, I've been noticing from childhood that this breed of people exists. It's, I mean, calling them troublemakers is putting them too lightly. But whenever like bad things are happening in the world, there would be people who would be doing things like these for the lulls, who would be, yeah. I mean, you have people on social media who troll other people, right? And why wouldn't such people exist in the real world? 
and right. in, in a yeah so you mean like, you're talking uh, about the perverse kind that wants to stir shit up right yeah the the not even perverse like they they just find enjoyment by you know saying wrong things it's like you know there are people who habitually lie and it doesn't even get them anything it just some people just do it so like yeah there would be people who would be like that there's also and i want to say this very specifically because there's a lot of talk about immunity and immu- good immunity bad immunity and stuff like that immunity cannot be scientifically engineered overnight you popping a gazillion vitamins is not going to overnight change your immunity it can certainly improve it in minor increments but none of that is necessarily a protection against coronavirus so don't buy into any garbage that's also t- also telling you immunity boosting foods will save your life they will not uh, regular hand wash has been the number one thing that has contributed to the barrier to spreading so a social distancing be hand washing like your life depends on it and be try and informing people around you as much as possible to take coronavirus seriously so panic is not a ideal goal but some degree of you know uh, socially mandated concern that this should not spread is absolutely what i think um, all of us here recommend and and are endorsing that you guys should also be messaging around you you know tell your loved ones you care about them but that you intend to survive this epidemic um hopefully inform people or call out misinformation wherever you're seeing it right yeah uh, i think that is something our audience can do like make explainer yeah. videos in vernaculars and all and try to spread them in your family gcs uh, yes. family whatsapp networks whatever because right now what is needed is like some of you have said is communication from the state but like our state is wonderful in the sense that it will never communicate things properly so no, we no, might fact, have this has to be a collective effort you know like your idiotic like like brahmanwadi uncle might be spreading information misinformation and you may think that you know who wants to argue with him but honestly you kind you of might have, have to argue with him, him as exactly. well because he's also a disease vector yeah He is a disease vector, and he'll turn up at your next family function and give you all coronavirus. Be be mentally aware that your uh, your information campaigns are actually also very much about self preservation in some ways. So keep that in mind too. Um, But, and yeah, Dilip, it 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 is like a really tough uh, situation and circumstance out there where like millions of people are going to uh, go through some sort of you know like extended struggle, and we have to. Uh, cheer ourselves up with important information like you know like Jair Bolsonaro is also infected uh, the the Spanish far right vox party is infected and probably Ted Cruz as well and who knows it can be even Donald Trump so the minister like, like, in some bit of a Mar-a-Lago cluster okay like yes, someone like, far right sitting next to Trump it's like yep, hallelujah yep. hallelujah keep your spirits up keep your spirits up as of now the corona is specifically targeting the far right politicians spread this podcast around so more people hopefully can can hear some of our thoughts and opinions Spre- spre- spreading the podcast is better than spreading the corona oh god no not that joke please comrade sandu no <laughs> in right. any case in any case uh, happy march wash your hands you are yeah so yes. what i would finally end it with okay